Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They like to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. Hello and welcome to another episode of Season Saviors. I'm Ian Whitfield, joined here by Shane Riley. Shane, how you doing today, man? I'm very excited, Ian, getting into episode two here. Going to review week three, so let's go ahead and start it off with the uh, the standouts from that week, starting off with um, Nelson Aguilar of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, definitely a player I'm really excited about uh, looking forward a little bit here because Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson have struggled with injuries throughout their career. Deshaun Jackson obviously going up in age a little bit, and Aguilar has really shown that he can capitalize on these opportunities that he's been given as he's gone north of 22 points in two straight weeks without both of them uh, being uh, like available or being options for Carson Wentz. And not just that, he's shown that even when Alshon and Deshaun come back, that he's already kind of solidified himself as a target option for Wentz and kind of a favorite guy as he's racked up 12 targets um, as he racked up 12 targets in week three. I do like the fact that he did have 12 targets, but I just don't think he's going to be a guy who can continue to put up these numbers as the Eagles have historically been a team that really spreads the ball around. You know, Whoever's feeling it that day tends to get the ball more. But um, they're optimistic that Alshon will return this week against the Packers. Um, and, but you know, Deshaun, Watson, or Deshaun uh, Jackson's sorry, excuse me, status is still unknown. Um, I think he has a very good play without the other two receivers, but once they return, he loses a lot of his value. Um, I would agree with that, but I think it's just kind of like there's Aguilar, I think, is more of a solid fantasy option than Deshaun Jackson as a whole, because I think Deshaun Jackson's just so much more boom and bust as he's, like, if he doesn't have his 70-yard touchdown or 60-yard touchdown in a game, you're looking at him putting up five to seven points. Well, he was fourth most in targets when everyone was healthy and, and only had two catches for 11 yards. So I don't I don't really like that, um, but I do. I would feel very confident starting him this week against the Packers oh, yeah. as Alshon's coming off that injury. So I, I expect Alshon... Um, excuse me, Nelson Aguilar to have a good week this week. Yeah, and the Packers have looked solid uh, with their new uh, defensive set, so it's going to be interesting with Aguilar matched up against cornerback two while Alshon's going to have to, if he's healthy, deal with cornerback one. But uh, going off to our next one, Shane, a player I know you're excited about is you have him in our friend league, uh, Philip Lindsay. What you got to say? Uh, this is actually what I've been waiting for out of Philip Lindsay. Um, he's still beating Royce Freeman in carries, which I, I do really like. Um, I don't like how, how close it is that they split their carries, but he did have a really good week. He added four receptions to his stat sheet. Um, I think that he's only good for like a spot start running back, though. I think you really have to start him on the right week. He can't be a guy that you can constantly rely on because that Broncos offense is just um, not what it used to be when they used to have guys like Demaryius Thomas and oh, stuff yeah. like that. And, I mean, their quarterback is Joe Flacco, who's, you know, he's up there in age at this point. Yeah, and Royce Freeman is, he's not what they expected when he kind of came in. Last year, people drafted him with such high expectations. And I think the the Broncos are kind of trying to get some value out of a, not a high draft pick, but a high enough draft pick that they don't want to say, hey, it's all Philip Lindsay at this point. And that's very frustrating for fantasy owners, as you want the feature back. But Philip Lindsay, like, I agree with you, is a week-in, week-out starter. I would not solidify him as a starter, as this was the only first big game he's had so far this season. 
And like you said, the, the carry number is too close to call. Yeah, it was only only a difference of six. I think it was 21 yeah. to 15. Um, the Broncos offense also finds themselves down a lot as they're 0-3 this year, so yeah. they're going to have to throw the ball a lot more. Yeah, and it's not like defenses are really that terrified of Joe Flacco, so they they kind of zone in a little bit on that Bronco rushing game. I will say that could help them in PPR, though. Oh, yeah, especially so, Philip Lindsay with getting those quick dish-offs yeah, and stuff like that. A couple more receptions. Yeah. Maybe like, maybe he's a, he's, a, he's a lot more solid play in PPR, of course. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do that. Um, now... Our last uh, perform or last Stand standout out. of the uh, the week is Joe Mixon, running back, Cincinnati Bengals. Shane, this is a player that has not broken out of the single digits all season up until this week, where he's uh, went north of 15 points. Shane, how are you feeling about Joe Mixon? I honestly think that this performance was not a fluke. I think that his first couple weeks, you know, they got to a slow start. They're also missing um, AJ Green from their offense, which is a bit of a problem because they're able to you know, focus on shutting down Joe Mixon. Yeah, but jo- John Ross has looked good, man. Yeah, but imagine having John Ross and A.J. Yeah. Green out there. Then yeah. that opens Anti- up... Ho- Boyd, too. That really opens up holes in the in the, in the the rushing game because they're going to have to spread the field to try to cover the passing game. That, that all kind of depends on um, Andy Dalton as well. But he only had 15 carries, which I know is a little bit concerning, but the next closest was three carries by Giovanni Bernard. So there's he's easily the running back one in Cincinnati. Um, so I definitely think that he's, he's, he's a guy you can start every week with, with a good amount of confidence in him that he's going to do well, especially if he gets a touchdown. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that set on Joe Mixon, and it, it just comes down to the sheer fact that the Bengals are not good, and they're going to find themselves in holes in most of their games, and they're 0-3 to start the year already, and Joe Mixon hasn't really been a complete workhorse. He has 15 carries is the most he's had in the game so far this season. Six in week one, 11 in week two, and in week two, he only had 17 yards on those 11 carries. So teams kind of know to zone in on him a little bit here in the beginning of the games, and then once it once the hole gets uh, bigger, because the Bengals are not that good, they're spreading the ball, and once you said, once A.J. Green comes back, I think they're going to become more of a pass-dominant kind of team, because they do have three very good wide receiver options, and John Ross, Tyler Boyd, and... Um, uh, AJ Green. So when all three of those guys are healthy, ready to go, Dalton is a okay enough quarterback that he can get the job done for them. So I'm scared for Joe Mixon personally, especially when it's touchdown dependency. But there is promise in the receiving game, and I think that is his only saving grace is his catch passing ability out of the backfield. But he hasn't really shown that so far this year. But it'll be interesting to see how that kind of develops as the season progresses here as we head into Week Four. Yeah, we're gonna go into the bus now um starting off with sony michelle uh running back for the patriots ian what are your thoughts uh i'm panicked 100 percent panicked about sony michelle this he's looked so one-dimensional in all the games that i've watched him he is he's averaging 2.4 yards per carry he rushed nine times for 11 yards against and he was playing against the jets like that's super concerning especially because it's the patriot like the patriots yeah, it's a, that, that's, that's a 1.2 yard per carry there, he to be on a team. The Patriots are winning that game a hundred ninety nine times out of a hundred, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to be losing to the New York Jets. Yes, they have a committee. Rex Burkhead looks so much better as a rusher right now. He also led the team in carries. He led the team in carries. Also, that, that you also have to remember, um, uh, James White did not play as his wife was giving birth. Mm-hmm. So that also, I mean, James White isn't a big rusher, but he still progresses in the passing game. So he's stealing stuff like that. But something I question is like. They were they were ahead of the yeah. Jets. Why did Tom Brady still throw the ball forty two times? Because it's Bill Belichick. <laughs> I just don't. Do they not? I don't. I think it, there's it, a problem with confidence in their no, running backs. I, th- 
I think I, I think it might be a little bit that, but I think it really kind of comes down to Bill Belichick just wanting to sh- show that he is the best and he will beat you by as much as it takes, and he is not going to take his hand off your throat, even if you're the New York Jets, even if you're the Miami Dolphins. He is going to keep coming at you, and he's going to keep throwing the ball at you. And, and Tom Brady has looked really good this year too. He also he's looked fabulous so far for whatever what he is like forty three north of forty three. Um, it's scary to think that Sony Michelle is doing this bad in such a great offense where they're winning most games and he is their lead rushing back or was heading into the season. So I'm in full panic mode about Sony Michelle. Yeah, it seems as though he's kind of lost his role at this point. Yeah, he's way too one-dimensional for me. Heading into our second one here, Shane, another player that I traded you at the beginning of this uh, season, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, what you say? I am in total panic mode on this guy. <laughs> he totaled a whopping one catch for one yard. He did have four targets, which is, you know, it's that's okay. I mean, four if he catches all of them, it's a decent fantasy day, especially if it's, like, for a good amount of yards and a touchdown, but that's with anything. But he was fourth most in targets. There was three other guys who had more targets than him. Um, and I believe his week one breakout performance that I had total confidence in him at that point was absolutely a fluke. It doesn't look like he is have really have any connection with Matthew Stafford as Matthew Stafford is still looking towards Marvin Jones, um, who's definitely his number one. So it's very disappointing to see this. And two other tight ends also received targets in week three, this being former Steelers Jesse James and uh, Logan Thomas. Yeah, I'm I'm not set on TJ Hawkinson being in a, a viable fantasy wide receiver, but I'm also or fantasy tight end, sorry. Yeah. But I'm not in full out panic mode like I am with Sony Michelle yet. And it's just by the fact that it's a Lions offense that has actually not looked terrible this year. And they have a lot of weapons, which at first you're like, okay, like you just gave me two good reasons right there why you should be in panic mode. But I'm looking at it kind of more as a fact of on Johnson really hasn't gotten it going yet. I mean, he's getting carries and he's getting a one to two catches a game. And I'm, I'm kind of in panic mode about him just slightly, though. We can talk about that another time. But Kenny Galladay was not successful last week, which I was completely wrong. I thought he was going to have a massive day, but going on Marvin Jones had a good day but I mean Danny Amendola like he's fine he's okay in the slot he'll might steal three or four receptions but he still had four targets in week one he had double digit um or 25.1 points touchdown 131 yards and double digit or nine targets or something like that so he's getting target numbers the only reason I am panicked is as it is a rookie tight end rookie tight ends in fantasy tend to never really be that productive Yes, it's very concerning he's only had one catch in the past, or two catches in the past two games, one per game. But I'm not in full panic mode yet because I think he's going to see a lot more here as I think the t- the Lions really want to get him the ball. And I, they've kind of shown that here in the past couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, he, wa- he was a, a very high up pick, though. I mean, yeah, they want they want to get their they don't want another, picks involved. They don't want another Eric Ebron situation where exactly. they took him in the first round. He ended up going to Indianapolis and doing fairly well last year. Exactly. So. Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. Getting into our third guy, uh, kicking it off is Chris Carson for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, Yeah, this is a player I know you both, both you and I, 
are in a little bit of a panic mode about, but it literally, it has nothing to do with his production. It has to do with the fact that he's dropping the ball. And fantasy-wise, fumble by a running back isn't the end of the world. It's two points. But in a real game, when you're Pete Carroll and you're lead, trying to lead a team to playoffs and stuff like this, it's you can't keep giving the ball to someone that's going to drop it, like fumble it, right? So he's thinking about his team wanting to be successful and stuff, which, and if he's worried about turnovers from Chris Carson, you can't really trust him with the ball, which could lead to Rashad Penny getting more carries and stealing some of the carries from Chris Carson, even though he did have solid number or rushing numbers at 15 for 53 last week. And he has a very easy matchup this week against the Cardinals, who is a terrible rush defense. But I think Carson is still running back one on this team, 100%. I'm not in panic mode, really. But I am. there is still something to watch out, the fact that he keeps fumbling this ball yeah, constantly. I, I would definitely say that there is um, a good amount of concern. I wouldn't say I'm panicking over him. Like I'm still going to start him in every league that yeah, I have. Yeah, of course. Um, but I think that maybe, maybe they look towards giving Rashad Penny more opportunity if Chris Carson continues his fumbling. Especially because he was such a high pick, and they took him in, the, what, the second round? Yes, he, but he is injured right now, so that might yeah. deal into Chris Carson getting more opportunity, um, especially since, you know, usually you try to see another running back if someone's fumbling like that. So I guess Chris Carson really does have a good opportunity to keep his job if Rashad Penny is still injured. Yeah, definitely. But now okay. we're going to head into our starts for week four. Shane, you want to start us off? Yeah, um, my first start is Mike Williams of the... Uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, he did have a slow start to the 2019 campaign, having only eight catches for 157 yards, no touchdowns through week three. He's kind of been forgotten. Um, I've seen Keenan Allen really, really show up. He's been fabulous this 43 year. 43 points for me Yeah, in, uh, in, in our friend league. Yeah. Uh, this week, he's up against Miami, who hasn't given up under 30 points yet this season. Uh, I'd really like to see Mike Williams break out in this game I, I think it's going to happen as Keenan Allen what what's on that Miami defense is going to try to cover Keenan Allen <laughs> so I mean I know really, no Fitzpatrick I really could see Mike Williams going off um expect him to have a real breakout game against a struggling Miami defense struggling, and team in general yeah that's an understatement um heading into my first start scary Terry uh Terry McLaurin caught six of eight targets for 70 yards and a touchdown Monday night loss last night obviously 31-15 to the Bears He's looked fabulous this season. He is a top 20. He might even be higher right now, fantasy wide receiver. And he is the only bright spot on this Washington team. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you could say Vernon Davis to some extent. But, I mean, Jordan, who knows about Jordan Reed at this point? So Ter Terry McLaurin is having his way with every team because the, the Redskins are bad. Case Keenum looked horrible. They're terrible. Three interceptions and a fumble. They're terrible. So they're going to be down in nearly every game they play. Their defense is not good either. So many injuries, and that's, like, obviously every year for the Redskins. Yeah. But they, this week they head against the Giants defense, who gave up 190 yards and three touchdowns to Mike Evans last week. They, I am so excited to start Terry McLaurin this week. Like, I am through – like, I am – I'm so excited. <laughs> like, I can't even express. This man, I, had, I think, has the potential, potential to go – North of 25, which oh. is absurd. I definitely think he's a guy that you should be really confident in starting every week. Yeah, definitely. But heading into your second start now, Shane. I'm going to go with Rashad Penny, as we mentioned earlier. Um, I could see him having a larger workload if he is healthy this week. He's dealing with a, with a hamstring injury, but the Seahawks are still optimistic about him playing against the Cardinals, um, which 
which is a team that just gave up 38 points to the Panthers, and the Panthers had their backup quarterback in. Yeah. So, uh, and Chris Carson, as we mentioned, his recent struggles with you know being able to put hands on the ball and not not dropping it and fumbling. So I really can see Rashad Penny having a good chance to put up a good fantasy week if he's healthy. I'm actually going to go with the other end of that stick, uh, Chris Carson. And it's just because I'm not really – I don't know if how Pete Carroll really – obviously none of us do know, really know how he feels about the fumbling situation with Chris Carson. But you have to remember, last year this was not – Chris Carson really did not have a major issue with fumbling the ball a whole lot. And I saw a stat on the TV this, week, or this past weekend where – he has three fumbles through three games this year, but last year he, I think he had, it was either two or three fumbles the entire year last year. So he hasn't really had a history with it. It's just kind of happening this week. So, I mean, that's something that running backs can fix is just grip the ball tighter, even if it means getting one less yard. Like, it's just simple stuff like that. And this week they go against the Cardinals team, as you mentioned, was terrible against the Panthers. They average 157 rushing yards against per game. So, and Chris Carson's a guy that's going to get most of the workload if Rashad Penny is not given a chance. So look for him to go north of 100 yards. He's being used in the receiving game also. Definitely has the potential to find the end zone. Definitely a 20-plus point candidate this week. Yeah, finishing up with my last start, I'm going to go with Marvin Jones. Um, He's really been shown to be Matthew Stafford's favorite target. He's easily his number one guy. Um, we'll We'll find heavy usage against a Chiefs team that seems to always find themselves in a shootout. Um, coming off a big week three, um, I really expect that to continue. Um, I, I can just see him, you know, you obviously, you know, Patrick Mahomes loves to throw the ball. So a lot of teams like, like to try to follow suit um, and try to beat them through the air, especially since running burns the clock and that Chiefs offense can just get down the field and score on you right away. So I think the Lions are going to be forced to pass more than they probably would like. Um, but I can see Marvin Jones getting a lot of that production. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, my last one is Phillip Rivers. Obviously, quarterback for San Diego or uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Yes. I know we always <laughs> want to say that, but I mean, do I really have to like explain, like give give a reason why to start <laughs> Philip Rivers against the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, similar to Mike Williams. I mean, Dak Dak Prescott put up twenty two, Brady put up twenty four, Lamar Jackson put up thirty three against them. You're looking at a guy that is in a majority passing offense, even with Austin Eckler, they're still dishing it off to him, and that's how he's getting majority of his points. So it's mainly a passing offense. And they're so bad, you can't go wrong with starting Rivers. He's, it's guaranteed. Like, I could set it in stone. I'll put money down on the fact Philip Rivers will go north of 20. Like, that's in stone. And if you can get a quarterback to go north of 20, that's great. That's a great fantasy. And the fact that his upside is so much higher than that, he could easily go north of 30. And that's fabulous. But now that just turns us to our next point here, Shane. Who are you sitting this week? You know, starting it off, I'm going to kick off with James Washington. I think this is fairly self-explanatory, as last week I was very high on this man. Um, I thought that his connection... You and I both were, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that his connection with Mason Rudolph was really going to translate into the NFL. But this Steelers offense looked horrible. I think, you know, both... Even with San Fran turning the ball over m- many times, they still only scored 20 points in the game, especially off that Juju Smith-Schuster 79-yard reception. James Washington just isn't getting the production that I really would love to see out of out of a receiver, especially since I, you know, you're starting him in your flex or wide receiver three. You can easily find other guys, you know, some of the guys we mentioned earlier, like Mike Williams or something like that, um, who sh- could start over James Washington because I really just don't like the Steelers' offense without Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, it's not looking good for them, and James Conner is struggling with that uh, popping in also. 
Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. I'm going to turn to Aaron Jones, uh, running back for the Green Bay Packers. Um, He was, he's going up against the second best run defense who's averaging to give up 60 uh, rushing yards per game um, against the, in an Eagles defense that's looks stout against the run. Um, Jones was living in practice, so he's already kind of de- battling with an injury. It sounds like he's still going to play, but you also have to remember Jamal Williams is starting to pop up a little bit in this Green Bay team. He's took over 60% of Green Bay snaps last week, had more snap count than Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones just found pay dirt twice, and that was the difference to let him have a major week. But I'm not set on really Aaron Jones, not just in this game, but going forward, honestly. I'm really concerned about him. Actually, that was my second sit believe it or not. Uh, so I do definitely agree with you. You know, 10 rushes for 19 yards is just not good. And I think people will look at his stat line and go, oh, he had uh, 13 points or however many he had, you know. And you're like, that's very good. But he had two touchdowns, as we yeah. mentioned earlier. You can't be touchdown dependent. So I'll just go ahead and get into my third guy. Um, I'm going to go with Ted Ginn Jr., who is not a very valuable fantasy receiver without Drew Brees. No. <laughs> um, without, um, without him... He really, he, I think he had zero catches. I think last week he had two catches. Um, and he's going up a very solid Cowboys defense, obviously Leighton Vander Esch. Um, they, they've been very good this year. Dak knows how to control the, control the pace, and they really grind out minutes. So I just, the Saints have really looked forward to just feeding Kamara the ball as much as possible and not putting uh, Teddy Bridgewater in a situation where he has to force the ball downfield. So I don't really like Ted Ginn going into next week. No, I mean, he's not going to be comfortable enough. Ted or Teddy Bridgewater is not going to be comfortable enough wanting to give him those big plays, and that's where Ted Ginn thrives. Especially Michael Thomas is going to be the number one. Especially. Um, heading into my second sit for the week, Cole Beasley, having a solid year for my Buffalo Bills. He's a target hog, obviously, in the slot. He's one of the better slot receivers in the NFL. and But this week he goes against the Patriots secondary, who's looked rock solid all year. The Bills will likely find themselves losing, which is hard for me to say as we are 3-0 and to start the year. But... John Brown is probably what's going to shine at this in this situation or passing out of the backfield with Devin Singletary or Frank Gore. And the addition of uh, Knox in the Bills offense last week is really an exciting sight for Bills fans. But He really decked those two guys yeah, in that did, one Yeah, he did, and that was awesome. And he, and he caught a touchdown. I really, I, that kid looked really good. He's, there's a lot of potential there, and I think the Bills are going to want to tap into that a little bit more too. But I, Cole Beasley, I just do not think, has solid potential at all this week, especially against a Patriots team that has been has such a stout defense this year. And going into my final sit for the week, uh, Jared Cook, tight end for the uh, New Orleans Saints. Saints. I was about to say Seattle Sounders, which is a soccer team. But <laughs> anyways, um, he has, obviously he was amazing in Oakland, and Darren Waller's actually filled in for him very nicely over there. But he's only seeing a 14.1% target share, and he's just two passes come his way against the Seahawks. And now he's got Teddy Bridgewater in, who you would think would help, honestly, because he wants that safety. But he really didn't even see it last week when Teddy Bridgewater started. So I'm still concerned with Teddy Bridgewater stepping into a starting role as he hasn't played as a starting quarterback in a while. Obviously, last week he did. But before that, it's been a couple years, three years or something like that. And he's still kind of getting a feel. And this Dallas secondary and this Dallas team is no joke. So 
I'm not set on Cook at all, and I would say start a new tight end as soon as possible. But that brings us to our waiver wire pickup. Shane, who you got? Uh, my first one is actually a, a guy that even myself doubted, which is Daniel Jones. Um, Everyone doubted. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it was a sixth pick, four touchdowns in his pro debut. He's only owned in 12.7% of leagues. Um, That's like actually surprising to me that it's that much, honestly. I think that that number is going to change a lot. As I mean, it was a Buccaneers offense, but yeah. I definitely think he's a guy who, even with his lack of receivers, he really showed that he, he was similar to a Josh Allen in, in the way he was using his legs to move and stuff like that. And he did all this without Saquon. Saquon was gone for most of the game. But I think that's actually going to help him, honestly. Yeah, without Saquon for going forward, uh, you know, they, they'll have to focus on passing a little more. Mm-hmm. So that is a little concerning because he is a rookie just getting into the league. But I think he's a, a smart enough guy. And I think, he could, I think he can read a defense very well. I think he's a, a true pocket passer who has the ability to move. Oh, yeah. I, I'm actually kind of excited about him. And I know my Giants fan friends are too. But anyways, my first – actually, my waiver wire pickup is one of the people I told you to sit this week. So pick him up and don't play him this week. Cole Beasley, Buffalo Bills, 19.4% ownership in ESPN leagues. Don't start him this week against the Patriots, obviously. But he's w- – more of a stash. Yeah, he's a stash, and he has so much potential. His value, he play, he played in Dallas, and he just it's just constant targets, and that's all he is. Vertical routes, strong share of the Buffalo passing game. He's t- he's tied for the team lead in targets with John Brown, and is impressively leading the team with twenty five point three yards after catch per game, which is super exciting. The fact that he can tack on those extra points for you, he's he's being he's consistent too. He's putting up nearly double digits in every single game so far even though he's not booming he's just a solid replacement guy you can have and if you really needed to in a good matchup you could start him yeah i'm actually going i'm i don't i don't obviously cole beasley is a good solid pickup but i'm going actually all in on these bills which is weird to say um (laughs) i didn't i didn't think i'd say that at the beginning of the season but frank or is a guy that i would consider picking up he's owned in 58 percent of leagues so you know in just about just under half of your leagues he's available and he went off for 76 yards and a touchdown. Um, I think that they're, you know, they did have a couple easy matchups to start the season, but they showed that they wanted to use Frank Gore, who is, who's a guy who is up there in age, but I do think that he's still got stuff left in the tank and that he's, he's going to be the runner and Singletary is going to be the guy in the backfield. He's shown that he's the big, he is still a very viable rusher. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I, would, I, don't know, I don't know if I'd start him against the Patriots like we were talking about, like you were, but... Um, Going forward, I think you know they're going to play another game against the Jets. <laughs> so definitely. I mean, he's definitely a solid start going going down the road. Yeah, I'm going to turn to Wayne Gallman, running back for the New York Giants. Anytime you see a workhorse go down, like Saquon, or if a David Johnson goes down, or something along those lines, always put in a waiver claim for the backup. Always, 100%. And Gallman is nowhere even in the range of Saquon Barkley. I didn't even know who this guy existed until last year, yesterday, when I put in a waiver claim for him. Yes, but the Giants don't really have anyone else to turn to. He's definitely going to be their lead back. That's exciting, even if you don't start him. I mean, it's a guy that still has the potential to put up double-digit points week week in, week out, until Saquon comes back. Especially since the offense was built around the running back. Yeah, so exactly. Hopefully he can fill that and role. And he is a viable... He is... You can use him in the passing game. As he's shown in the past that he can be a... He can pass or catch passes out of the backfield. So even though he isn't the greatest rusher... He can make up points that way, and he plays the Redskins this week who have yielded 110 receptions to back since the start of last season, 10th most in the NFL. So there's definitely potential there for him to go north of uh, double digits and probably somewhere in a 10- to 15-point range is 
where I would give him some potential this week. Yeah, my last waiver claim of the week is I would go with Will Dissey. He's owning 28% of leagues. He's a tight end for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, and he put up 18 points in week three. He's shown that he really is a, t- uh, a target for um, for Russell Wilson in, in a Seattle offense that has looked very good, um, minus the fact of obviously Chris Carson fumbling the ball. But Russell Wilson has been rushing for touchdowns, throwing for touchdowns, and Will Dissey has been one of his main targets. Um, he had a touchdown in week three. I think I think it's something that you could expect, especially since in a league where a lot of tight ends have been kind of disappointing this year, uh, like O.J. Howard and then Hunter Henry getting hurt. I think Will Dissey's a guy that you could stash as a backup. Maybe if you have, like, Hawkinson, both those guys can kind of alternate. You kind of have some potential in them getting better throughout the year. Yeah, and he's actually a player I'm really excited about. And unfortunately, I haven't been able to get him in any leagues, but I think he's a really good streaming option. Um, For me, my last waiver wire is actually Case Keenum, a guy who looked terrible last night. But it all comes down... You can be a bad real-life player and still be a viable fantasy option. And it's all playing statistics and numbers and stuff. Before this week of Chicago, he hadn't turned the ball over yet. Mm-hmm. And he was put up 27 and 17 in the first two weeks. And even in a night where he still had five turnovers, Shane, he put up 12 points. Which, twelve? I'm not saying 12 is good. It's not. It's slightly below average of 15. But... He's 332 yards and two touchdowns in a team where they're likely going to be losing a lot. They don't have their starting running back. They have Adrian Peterson, who's way past his prime, and he has decent wide receiving option in Terry McLaurin and Vernon Davis, and he's shown that he can at least put up decent numbers. I think he's a really good backup. I'm not saying start him over Russell Wilson or anything like that. I'm just saying pick him up if you need a quarterback. If you can't get a Daniel Jones or if you don't trust Daniel Jones yet, like, or you don't want like an Andy Dalton or something mm-hmm. like something basic like that, or you're in a deep, deep league, he's definitely the way to go. Yeah, I would say there is a little bit of concern as they are 0 3, and who knows how much longer he's going to keep that starting job. Yeah, there is some concern there, definitely. But uh, that's for all. now. What? For now, it's a good pick to have. Oh, yeah, definitely. Game. Especially if you need a streaming option for this week with buys starting this week. That is actually all for today's episode. Make sure you check out DHS Press for all the news that Titans need to know, including how prom is moved to April and a change in venues by an article by Isabel Perlstein, uh, No More JV Football by Katie Ryan, and, of course, Fantasy Football Talk, which is a weekly fantasy article done by me on who to start, who to sit, and who to pick up. Uh, Thank you for listening to this week of Season Saviors. I'm Ian Whitfield, joined once again by Shane Riley. Thank you. Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487.